Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, in our last program, you were talking about the doubts that exist within the scientific community about Darwinism and its ability to explain how evolution occurs. Mm -hmm. But we did not have time to consider all the information you wanted to share. So in today's program, you're going to continue that discussion. That's right, Scott. In some ways, I feel like I barely scratched the surface last time. But for those who didn't hear what we talked about, here's a couple bits of information we presented. As of May 2023, a list of over 1,200 PhDs and professors signed the following statement. We are skeptical of claims for the ability of random mutation and natural selection to account for the complexity of life. Careful examination of the evidence for Darwinian theory should be encouraged. And of those 1,200-plus signers of that statement, over 300 of them had their PhDs in the life sciences. In other words, fields like biology, genetics, and biochemistry. Now, shouldn't we let people know how they can check that list out for themselves? Oh, of course. You find it on the website, descentfromdarwin.org. That's three words, descentfromdarwin.org. And that list is only a third of the size of a similar list on the Revolution Against Evolution website, which you also talked about in the last program. That's true. The Revolution Against Evolution website is RAE.org. That's the three letters R-A-E, the acronym for Revolution Against Evolution. And on that site, over 3,000 scientists are listed plus another thousand whose names are not included for fear of reprisal by their institutions of employment. But I'm not going to say any more about those lists. If you didn't hear the previous program and learning this information has piqued your interest, you can listen to Doubting Darwin in Droves, Part 1, on the Scripture on Creation podcast. Along with this program, which you undoubtedly will want to hear again. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So then continuing from where we had to stop last time, I was sharing information about how prevalent doubts about Darwinism have become within the scientific community. I'm going to read some excerpts from an article titled, Why One-Third of Biologists Now Question Darwinism. It was written by Benjamin Durker and published on April 16, 2019, in The Federalist. The article begins, quote, While Christians have long challenged Charles Darwin's theory of undirected evolution, few appreciate the true extent of the challenge beyond the church. Current estimates are that approximately one-third of professional academic biologists who do not believe in intelligent design find Darwin's theory is inadequate to describe all of the complexity in biology. Wait a minute. Biologists who do not believe in intelligent design? So that means on top of that one-third of biologists they refer to, there are also others who accept intelligent design. That makes the number more than a third who doubt Darwinism. (laughs) That's right. Dr. Scripture, what I am more and more amazed at is how can this be so well kept under wraps? Hmm. I've certainly never heard about anything like this in the media. Well, Scott, I don't have an answer for that, except those in control of media don't know about it themselves or don't want everyone else to know about it. But let's give credit to the Federalist. They were willing to publish this story. So I'll read some more from the Why One-Third of Biologists Now Question Darwinism article. Quote, 
This dissatisfaction is a matter of public record, even if it lacks public attention, mm. and despite the narrative running contrary. Indeed, dedicated neo-Darwinists often say, quote, no serious scientists disagree, or, quote, only creationists have problems. These contentions are increasingly disproven. The important note is that these are not ideologues or religious zealots, nor do they propose a God or biblical solution. Rather, they find problems with the explanatory value of Darwin's theory in light of modern understanding of mutation, variation, DNA sequencing, and more. These expressions of doubt do not reject naturalism or evolution per se, but the rigor of the neo-Darwinian model for explaining the development of life. In fact, they want to help Darwin, not tear him down, unquote. So what that means is, even though so many scientists understand that Darwinism cannot explain how evolution happens, they still believe in evolution. Yes, that is what it means. It truly puts evolution in the position of having no observable empirical explanation to support it. It is simply a belief. Well, that's what creationists have been accused of from the beginning. Mm -hmm. But it's also what creationists have said about the theory of evolution for over a century. It's a belief. That's correct, Scott. But while there were large gaps in our understanding of how life, with its ability to adapt, actually works, the observations that could be made were interpreted in such a way as to support the claims of evolution. But now... We know better. You mean we know too much. <laughs> well, that's another way to put it. And now the natural selection paradigm has been demonstrated by the disciplines of molecular biology and genetics, to name just a couple, to be woefully inadequate to explain not only the origin of life, but the evolution of life from simple life forms into the fantastic diversity of sophisticated life forms that exist today. It's interesting how, a few decades ago, many evolutionists admitted that the fossil record did not support the theory of evolution. And so the mechanism of punctuated equilibrium was proposed to explain the process of evolution. Mm -hmm. And now many evolutionists are admitting that the molecular record doesn't support the theory of evolution either. <laughs> it's very appropriate. You bring up punctuated equilibrium, Scott. But to make sure everyone understands what that is, I'll explain what it is and why it was proposed. In a book titled Macroevolution by Stephen Stanley, a dedicated evolutionist expounding on the idea of punctuated equilibrium, wrote this, quote, The known fossil record fails to document a single example of phyletic evolution accomplishing a major morphologic transition. That means a structural change in an animal. And hence offers no evidence that the gradualistic model of evolution by natural selection can be valid. Unquote. Wow. Now, what he means is the fossil record does not have the plethora of transitional forms Darwin thought must be found to support his theory. Now, most people who are interested in origins have heard this statement Darwin made in his book, The Origin of Species, but I'm going to repeat it anyway. Quote, But as by this theory, innumerable transitional forms must have existed, why do we not find them embedded in countless numbers in the crust of the earth? Unquote. Well, in Darwin's day, it was then assumed they simply hadn't found enough fossils yet. But after more than a century, it became apparent the fossils were not going to provide the intermediate forms to quote-unquote prove one kind evolving into another kind. 
Thus, eventually came the admission by Stephen Stanley that I just read. What the idea of punctuated equilibrium then proposes is, rather than a gradual process of small changes occurring over a vast period of time, like millions of years, major changes must have occurred very rapidly. So, to cite an example, the genetic instructions to make the leg of a mouse-like creature (laughs) must have gotten rapidly, radically mutated, producing a wing, a bat wing. So then, bats show up in the fossil record. (laughs) So, punctuated equilibrium was an argument, an hypothesis, based on silence, wasn't it? Absolutely. It was an explanation for why there was no fossil evidence. Essentially, the forms of a living organism stayed in equilibrium, not changing. But then suddenly, something happens, and bang, a big change happens, like an exclamation point, and a new form appears. Dr. Scripture, it's truly an attempt to answer Darwin's question, why don't we find transitional forms in countless numbers in the crust of the Earth? Exactly. But the assumption was... The evidence for how huge structural changes could occur in organisms would ultimately be found in the genetics, in the molecules of organisms. However, as we have come to understand better and better how the genetics at the molecular level produce the protein and anatomical features of an organism, it has become apparent just mutating the DNA and expecting natural selection to then cause the evolution of simple forms into more complex forms is impossible and admission being made by more and more evolutionists themselves. And those admissions are what we're documenting as we share information in various publications by evolutionists, and in the list of those doubting Darwinism. That indeed is what we're doing. So then, there's one more very pivotal publication I want to discuss. First, because it was published in the journal Nature, perhaps the most prestigious scientific journal there is. And a thoroughly evolutionary journal. (laughs) For sure. And second, I want to discuss it because the person involved is a very prominent scientist in the evolutionary community. In 2014, Dr. Kevin Leyland, professor of behavioral and evolutionary biology at the University of St. Andrews in the UK, wrote a letter to Nature titled, Does Evolutionary Theory Need a Rethink? (laughs) It was published in Volume 514, pages 161 to 64. There were seven other authors co-listed on the letter taking his position. Now, just from the title, Does Evolutionary Theory Need a Rethink? It's pretty obvious doubts about Darwinism are probably going to be expressed. And here is how Leyland begins the letter. Darwin conceived of evolution by natural selection without knowing that genes exist. (laughs) Now, mainstream evolutionary theory has come to focus almost exclusively on genetic inheritance and processes that change gene frequencies. Yet new data pouring out of adjacent fields are starting to undermine this narrow stance. An alternative vision of evolution is beginning to crystallize, in which the processes by which organisms grow and develop are recognized as causes for evolution. The number of biologists calling for change in how evolution is conceptualized is growing rapidly. Strong support comes from allied disciplines, particularly developmental biology, but also genomics, epigenetics, ecology, and social science. We contend that evolutionary biology needs revision if it is to benefit fully from these other disciplines. The data supporting our positions gets stronger 
every day. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll stop there. And again, I must emphasize, Leyland and his colleagues are not proposing that they question the idea that evolution is what caused life and its diversity. But they are proposing neo-Darwinism doesn't explain how evolution happens. In other words, he says another explanation is needed. And I suppose he has one, right? Oh, indeed he does, Scott. Now, at this point, I'm not going to attempt to describe it, but it is called Extended Evolutionary Synthesis, or EES for short. And another new explanation being proposed, given the inadequacies of neo-Darwinism, is called the third way. Hmm. But I'm afraid we're out of time today, so we'll discuss these things more in our next program. Now, I know in these last couple of Scripture on Creation programs, I've not spent any time talking about what Scripture says, but I think letting people know about the state of one of the most prevalent and influential philosophies in the world that helps man justify the denial of their Creator is important to share. Indeed, evolutionists themselves are doubting Darwin in droves, but that, by no means, means they are turning to Scripture for answers. Thus, Romans 1.21 applies all the more. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. And that's not what I say. That's what scripture says.